Welcome to Leading the Next Generation with Tim Elmore. I am your co-host, Andrew McPeak, and our mission here at Growing Leaders is to empower the emerging generations with skills to lead in real life. And Tim, today we're talking about leadership, which is appropriate since we're growing leaders, but particularly, how do you lead well in the midst of a really difficult season, maybe like a global pandemic that changes everything. And it's in moments like this that we really kind of discover what sort of leadership skills mm-hmm. and gifts we have inside of us. No doubt about it. Andrew, you remember last, oh gosh, it was two months ago now, we did a, a large webinar with thousands yeah. of people on it, but we called it Leading When You Feel Like Leaving. Yeah. And that one change of letter, leading and leaving, was such a muffled thing. We had loads of people saying this is a relevant topic to yep. me, whether they led in a classroom or they led an entire school campus or they led a business or an organization or a sports team or an athletic department. Yeah. Um, so we think this is a relevant topic. We're really talking about how do you lead in the aftermath of a pandemic like we've just been through. Absolutely. And it certainly has affected our leadership. But w- what I find is y- y- this hopefully one day very soon, is going to be in our rearview mirror, yeah. right? We're going to look back on this pandemic and go, oh, that was that season in which I fill in the blank, right? And we know this to be true because yeah. we look back over our lives mm. and we see, we think that about so many difficult seasons that we faced. I was recently reflecting on some of the most life-changing years of my life. All of them, I guess, are. But, you know, you can point to your any, any past uh, era of your life, my 20s, my 30s, my 40s, and so on. Uh, but uh, I can point back to experiences I had in different stages of my life that now that I look back, I go, that was so influential mm. on directing the course of my life or the course of thought that I now yeah. have. So not to take a long time, but I'll never forget being in college and getting type 1 diabetes. Yeah, I had no knowledge at all about diabetes. I'd never seen or met a diabetic that I was aware of. And, uh, and now I had to take injections and now I have an insulin pump. But I look back and go, it was not fun at all. But I think just gaining diabetes really gave me a deeper sense of empathy for people. Yeah, I'm not saying I'm the most empathetic person, but I'm far more than I was before. Yep, yep. Um, I think helping Sean Mitchell start that outreach on Friday night when I was in high school, a junior in high school, uh, just built in me a boldness and a sense of service. Yep. I went into college with this sense of, I want to change the world. I'm going to serve, yep. which I think dictated how I planned my career. Um, I remember being in seven automobile accidents. I know, five of them in one year. Yeah, five was, in one year? That was, quite a, that was quite a period of time. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, it was, um, I won't go into the details, but you can imagine that was very impactful. Yeah. Quite literally yeah. impactful. Yeah. Um, <laughs> thank you. Uh, you know what it gave me, though? I have a deep sense of my mortality. You, mm. As you can imagine, that yeah. sounds cliche, but no, it's... I know at any moment it could be over. Yeah. And I have very good life insurance policies for my <laughs> wife to enjoy. Um, I worked under John Maxwell for years. Yeah. I look back, I thank him every year, at least once a year, for the impressions he made on me as a 20-something and a 30-something and a 40-something. Um, and then, of course, I've talked about this before on the podcast, but being in a plane crash and surviving. Yeah. Uh, major impact. That gave me, I think, Andrew, a greater sense of urgency yeah. about doing what I feel like I'm supposed to do. While you still can. Yeah, while I still yeah. can. Yeah. So, Again, we're all going to look back on 2020 and maybe even this first half of 2021 
and it will do something for us. It's either going to make us bitter or better. Yes. I know that's cliche, but yeah. we're either going to look back with fond memories or bitter memories. And I'm just saying, what if we chose to not just get exhausted and weary of the whole thing, but we said, that actually was good for me. Yeah. Another way to think about this is I was just talking with our president, Steve Moore, who's just a brilliant guy. He's always reading. And one of his favorite genres to read is, is a biography. Yeah. And what he said is one of his favorite things is the fact that uh, you're reading this biography with context for the person's life. And so what it does is as that person is going through, perhaps at that moment, a very seemingly benign part of their life, you as the... Hindsight. Uh, in hindsight. Yeah, you yeah. in hindsight as the reader get to look at him and go, how significant mm-hmm. that happenstance yeah. meeting in a coffee shop was for this uh, great individual. Yeah. And I think if we could walk through our lives thinking, in my biography, uh, will yeah. this be a bigger moment than I even yeah. think it is right now? Yeah. Well, and so as we set up our big conversation today, we're saying that last year, this past year, between the COVID-19 pandemic, uh, the protests that happened on the streets across America, the pay reductions we all seem to go through along the way. Yep. Uh, you know, just so many things happened that we could, in a cursory way, say that was bad. Yep. But maybe, maybe, maybe there is a silver lining to the whole thing. And so we'd like to talk about what this past year did to us and how can we can best respond as leaders to what happened. I love it. I love it. So I think we're going to talk about it in two pieces, right? Yeah. What the impact was on us, yeah. if we're actually honest and we want to break it down, and then what can we do as yeah. a result of that? So we'll get into those. Okay. So let me um, jump into, first of all, the impact of this last year. I'm just one person, obviously, but I want to share with you my take as I not only examine uh, culture now, today, in light of this last year, but as I just interview leaders along the way in business and schools and athletic programs and so forth. So I want to give you three statements if you're taking mental notes, listeners, and you're driving your car, not writing, but taking mental notes. Yep. Uh, three statements I want to make. Okay. Number one. I believe last year was a great accelerator. Hmm. It was a great accelerator. If nothing else, 2020 accelerated change. Yeah, yeah. So many realities that were slowly evolving morphed quickly. For example, haven't schools for years said as they were sluggishly getting better at utilizing technology, we need to do better with technology yeah. and online learning? We know we need to get to that. you know. But certainly it was thrust upon us, yeah. right? Isn't that true? In higher ed and K-12 education. Yep. Uh, many companies were slowly making progress on diversity, equity, and inclusion, and then suddenly had to hasten their work. We were one of those. Yep, yep. We had to get better. And I'm glad we did, but it was an accelerator. That's yep. what I want you to catch, listeners. It was an accelerator. Higher education was recognizing its need to update and upgrade their learning experience and their pedagogy. They were forced to. Students are saying, why would I pay the same price for a remote class? That And they're wondering yeah. as a customer. Yeah. Uh, and then, of course, businesses, especially, I think, of brick-and-mortar retailers that said, oh, and they were slowly maybe going out of business, yeah. maybe they quickly went out of business. Uh, hopefully not, but all I'm saying is, listeners, I think you'd agree, 
2020 it was a great accelerator yep. for whatever was happening yep. in reality. Absolutely. It pushed us to think about what is most important, to push yeah. ourselves on the yeah. technology we were using. There were more startups for video calls than anything <laughs> I've ever seen, right? And they had really clever ideas. Yeah. Uh, we, too, at Growing Leaders, we did more virtual events in 2020 than we had ever done. Yeah. And I think we got better at them yeah. because of that. It was I an accelerator so. for us, too. Yeah, and our Train the Trainer experience, the Next yep. Generation Certification event. Yep. Uh, you know, doubled, some of them doubled and tripled in size yeah. because we had people from all over the world attending virtually, mm-hmm. not just It was cool. It was States. really cool. Okay, so 2020 is a great accelerator. That's number one. Let me give you number two. Number two is it then forced us to become great innovators. Mm. So the great accelerator forced us to be great innovators. When lots of change happens quickly, let's face it, leaders generally respond in one of three ways. They dig in their heels forcing the current plan to work better. Yep. Uh, they become overwhelmed, suffering from the paralysis of analysis. What do I do? I don't know. Let's do nothing. Or they adapt and improve. Yep. Now, each of these responses requires an emotional tax. Think about that. Just like we pay taxes financially, it's a, an emotional tax. But the tax for innovation is always better to pay yeah. than the other two. Yeah. Effective leaders recognize, now think about this, if they don't adapt, they don't survive. Yep, yep. So in a year like last year, the ones that didn't adapt often didn't survive at all. They also recognize, however, that even great decisions, really good decisions, merely trade one set of problems for another set of problems. So yep. it's not like good decisions take away your problems. We just traded a new set or an old set for a new one. But make no mistake, the name of the game last year was innovation. Probably still is. Yeah, yeah. Right, so that's number two. I love it. So number one, 2020 was the great accelerator. Yep. Number two, forced us to be great innovators. Yep. Now, this third one does not rhyme. Pardon me. Please forgive me. Pain. Uh, This led millions of us to suffer from decision fatigue. We've talked about this before on this very podcast. So I had so many leaders talk to me and say, why am I so tired? I just sit in front of a screen all day talking about, you know, talking on Zoom meetings. I know why they're tired. It's not what they're doing physically. It's what they're doing mentally. I had leaders say to me, Andrew... I felt like I made a year's worth of decisions in one month. Yeah. And they may have. Didn't we feel like we experienced a year's worth of news in one month? Yeah. You know, COVID-19, it's on, it's off. Wear a mask, don't wear a mask. Do mm-hmm. this, don't do that. Yep, yep. So we're, we're, we're just feeling decision fatigue. We're making so many choices and we're just weary. So if this is hitting home for you, don't think you're weird or just, you know, a slacker. You're normal. You just had to make a bunch of decisions and it's hard. I found out this last year when I was talking to one of my doctors as a type 1 diabetic, the average type 1 diabetic makes 400 extra decisions each day than a person who's healthy. (laughs) Yeah. That made me tired just hearing that news. You said that explains a lot of things, right? I'm just saying, no wonder I get tired. Yeah. I'm thinking, I'm always thinking, I'm always balancing. Okay, blood sugars, carbohydrates. Do I get, if I run, it's going to take this. this? Should I Mm -hmm. drink some juice? So all I'm saying is you felt like a type 1 diabetic last year, everybody. (laughs) You're making 400 extra decisions a day. And it just gave you decision fatigue. So I'm going to say stress levels are higher for those who make many decisions, and now we've got to do something that helps us come out of this year with a, with a positive frame of mind, with a mindset that says, I got this. Mm. I feel more ready than ever because I've been just been to the gym, and I'm stronger for it. Yeah, I love that. I love that. And that's exactly the mindset we have to have, right? Because the only alternative is 
that was terrible, and I'm going to keep complaining yeah, about right. it, right? Yeah, that's right. Uh, the question we have to say is, how, what do we, it's sort of the, how do we make lemonade from lemons yeah. idea of, like, what do we do to make the most of the situation we've been given? And there's so many different examples we could point down through history of yes. people who've been able to do that. So I think the the pay, the pavement has been sort of laid before yeah. us on, on what this road looks like. The question is, what do we do about it? And I think this is what we want to talk yeah. about next. So I'm going to suggest three steps we can take to remain focused and positive in these times. So here they are. Number one, all of these, by the way, are simple. You might go, what? Seriously, is that one of them? Yes, it is, and I'll tell you why. Number one is focus on the helpers. Hmm. Focus on the helpers. Let me tell you what I mean by this. Part of the problem that I have, anyway, in tumultuous times is we focus on all that's coming against us. By the way, it's because it's coming against us. The obstacles, the opposition, it's flying in our face. We're asking for a good day and an easy day along the way, right? Mm, yeah. There's an ancient Chinese curse that said, may you live in interesting times. And the assumption was that it was a curse because easy times, not so interesting times, are much easier to lead in than interesting times. Yeah. So um, I just believe when I start focusing on the helpers, on the positives, on the people that are stepping in to make things better, I stay in a better frame of mind myself. You know where I learned this? I learned this from Mr. Rogers. Seriously. We've learned so much from Mr. That's Rogers. Right. <laughs> That's exactly right. So Fred Rogers, the, the, you know, the award-winning television host for years and years and years on PBS doing children's programs, uh, the, um, the, the one that sang, It's a Wonderful Day in the Neighborhood. Yeah. Fred Rogers was a Presbyterian minister. And here's what he said. This was so good. He was asked where he got his outlook on life from. And he said, and I quote, when I was a boy... And I would see scary things in the news. My mother would say to me, look for the helpers. You will always find people helping. Mm. And that would include, you know, for him, wartime, Vietnam War. I mean, there was a lot of things in the 50s and 60s when he was growing up that were going on. Civil rights marches, demonstrations, buildings going, you know, blowing up or being burned down. And uh, so his mama said, Look for the help. That's just sage advice. Yeah. So leaders that are listening, I don't know what you're feeling or thinking right now, but her wisdom rings true. We get what we focus on. Following every disaster or crisis, we can find people jumping in to respond and restore, respond and restore. When we do this, we regain a proper attitude and a renewed purpose to do it ourselves in our world. I love it. Yeah. I love it. And, and we've been trying to do this all throughout the pandemic, right? Yeah. Uh, as early as a month or two in, we're telling stories about Isaac Newton. We're telling yep. stories yep. about about all these people who overcame their times mm-hmm. and who are have become legends for it, right? And I think that that's a practice that you do every day, and it's been such a healthy one for me in the midst of the pandemic to go, who are other people who have said, you know what, this is not going to stop me? Uh, And it just, like you said, it reorients your mind, points you in the right direction, and lets you know you're on the right track, and I love that. Good. All right, the second um, of three ideas is practice preventative problem solving. So that's hard to say fast. Practice preventative problem solving. Now, here's why I say this. In times of disruption, leaders can find themselves reacting to problems like the whack-a-mole game. Remember that you used to do it, you know, you're whacking that mole that pops his head up, and you can't stay ahead of it. Sometimes they're just too fast. Well, that's what we do. We're reacting to problems as they pop their heads up. It's difficult to keep up and puts us on the defensive rather than the offense, okay? Why not take action, if we can, that prevents problems that you expect? 
So if you're a principal of a school, a coach of a team, a leader of some organization, what if you say, well, I know these problems are going to happen. I just know it happens every March. It yep. happens every spring. Yep. What if we got ahead of it and said, I'm going to feel like I'm on the crest of the wave moving forward rather than playing defense and hoping to God I survive the week? If you know parents, uh, for instance, are going to struggle and complain about the carpool line or the PTA meetings, address those struggles before they happen. Mm. Now, let me tell you what prompted me on this one. I love the parable, and I think it's just a legend. It's just a parable, but it's a great picture of what I'm talking about. Two guys that went fishing in a, in a, in a river one day, they're just having a good time, when suddenly they look off to the left and they see a young, small child drowning in the water and just floating down the river, screaming for help. Well, both of these fishermen throw their fish down. They jump into the water to save this child. But right when they grab the child, they look upstream and they notice a, another child, a second child coming down. So the one guy that has the kid turned, gives it to his buddy, picks up the second. Now they're both got kids in their hands. Yeah. And then they see a third and a fourth and a fifth child. You can imagine they're feeling overwhelmed. It was at that moment, one of the two men puts the baby that he's got in his hand to, into the arms of the other friend, who's now got his hands full, and just gets out of the water. The friend still in the water says, hey, what are you doing? I need your help. And the man very wisely said, I'm walking upstream to tackle the guy that keeps throwing these kids into the water. Now, it's a parable, yeah. but you see what he's doing. Yeah. He's saying, we can either stand downstream and just try to field all these babies coming down the water, or we can say, I'm going to stop this if I can, before it even happens. Mm. This is what great leaders do. So you can't do it for every problem. God yep. knows there's going to be plenty of problems you cannot solve before they happen. Yep. But the ones you can, maybe yep. half, yep. let's do it. Yeah. So that we're much, much better uh, place. We have more bandwidth and capacity to solve the problems that come our way that, that, that are happening in real time. Yeah, and this is about uh, wisdom in doing this, right? Uh, scenario planning, if you will. That's the business term for it. You can't, we couldn't have asked schools to say, we need you to have a plan in case there's a global pandemic, yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. we could have said, do you have a plan if something happened and you needed to be in virtual classrooms yes. for a while, right? That's us thinking preventatively and working ahead and doing something that's probably reasonable. Yes. It's probably likely that at some point in your career, you're you're probably going to have a season where you're in virtual classrooms yeah. again, right? So preparing for that moment is just wise. That's it's just right. about wisdom. That's all we're saying. All right, the third of three is simply this. Always identify the silver lining. Uh, I learned this as a kid growing up. When I was challenged with a setback or something that had got cut from the basketball team or whatever, my mom would listen to me with heartfelt empathy as I complained about it, but later, and she always knew the right time. Don't do it right away. I'll just give you a, a grimace. But if you wait a little bit and let me get over my complaining, uh, she'd re-engage me in conversation, and she'd help me see the good that could come from the setback. She literally trained me as an adult. That I do it to this day, thanks to my mom, Sally, who did this for Tim, you know, all, all of my growing up years. I, I, I look for the silver lining, and then as a dad, I did this for my own, for my own children. So she reminded me when I did get cut from the basketball team, and that did happen, uh, she reminded me it gave me time to work on that big art project that I wanted to complete, and I'm so glad I did because it later led to an art scholarship in college. All I'm saying is thank God for my mom giving me the right perspective. It was the silver lining look. Yeah. So you know the phrase, listeners, don't you? Every dark cloud has a silver, silver lining. lining. Yep. So um, that's what we're saying. The best decision I made over the past 12 months of this pandemic was to view the interruption 
as an introduction to something else I would have never experienced. Yeah. Can I say that again, listeners? I want you to capture that. The best thing I did the last year was to view the interruption, and it was a big interruption to what we were planning to do, as a great introduction to something better. We would have not have had home chats. We would have not have had the great virtual uh, train the trainer event, the next gen certification. We would have not had a, the pandemic population, but yeah. all kinds of things. In fact, we even listed these, didn't we? We, yeah. we had a fun time as a team just listing some of the good things that came from this horrible year. So I'm saying if you listeners can do what your mama taught you years ago, but do it as an, as an adult, find that silver lining, teach your colleagues and your students to do the same thing. You brought up Isaac Newton just yeah. a minute ago. Yeah, I did. That story is so cool. I won't tell the whole story, but look it up, folks. Isaac Newton, if you remember that great mathematician and scientist that we all learn about in school, was actually a student himself when the Great Plague of London broke out. Yeah. He was sent home, but saw it as a good thing. He thought to himself, wait a minute, I've got time now. No one's telling me what to study or how to study it. And he began to work on a theory that he'd been already developing on his own that became the subject of calculus. He developed his theories on optics. He, he uh, became, came up with the law of gravity, the laws of motion. All these things happened during a quarantine. Does this sound familiar? And he came back to Cambridge about a year and a half later with theories in hands and moved forward. And we are now the beneficiary. He actually invented calculus during that quarantine. Now, you might say, that's no silver lining. That's a dark cloud. But, but that's a whole other <laughs> podcast. That depends on who you yeah, are. That's yeah, right. Yeah. Who, who you ask. That's yeah. right. But listeners, I'm just saying, these are fundamentals. This is the past dribble shoot of the game called How Do We Come Out of a Bad Year with a Great Perspective. And so we're just trying to encourage you. Let's keep that good perspective. I love it. I love teams. it. Well, thank you so much for pushing us to think about and see the challenges that we're facing just a little bit differently. I thought we might close with one of my favorite stories I've heard you uh, tell, just uh, talking about perspective and how we see things and how our, our mindset can change what we see. This is a fun story we like. I hope you enjoyed as well, listeners. Um, Andrew, you and I have talked about this before. I think we might have even told it before, but it's simply the story of two gentlemen that happened to be hospitalized uh, at the same time, and they actually shared a hospital room. They both had their own beds, but they became roommates in the hospital, except that one of the two patients was sitting by the window. Mm. And every day he would say to his comrade, oh, I love looking out at what I see here. And he was looking out the window. He said, I see children playing, once flying a kite. I see lovers hand in hand walking through the park. I see an ice cream vendor. Oh, I bet that ice cream's great. Well, the other guy thought, nice, but I'm not seeing that. You know, and he starts getting kind of resentful yeah. that I didn't get a window. He got a window. What? How come he gets this good day and I get a bad day? Well, as the story goes, the one who was seated or laying next to the window died mm-hmm. uh, before the other guy did. And he was carted out of the room to the mortuary and, you know, went through the proceedings. But the one that remained said, oh, my gosh, this is my chance to seize the day. So when the nurse came in, he said, would you mind if I moved to the bed next to the window? She kind of shrugged her shoulder and said, okay. But he wondered why she wasn't happy for him. When he laid down in the bed next to the window and started to peer out, he noticed the window faced a brick wall. Mm. There was no kite or at least one to be seen. Yeah. The man had a perspective and could see things that were inside. And leaders, I'm just saying, that's what we owe it to our people. Show them what you see inside. They can't see it yet. They're looking at a brick wall, maybe. In fact, COVID-19 was a brick wall yes, for is. many of the people. But we owe it to our people. This is not imaginary. This is not 
um, fake. This is what people need right now, hope and, uh, and a future. Mm, so It's so good. It's so good. Well, the content we've actually been talking about today comes from a new resource that you're yeah. putting out. Um, it's actually an email that comes out monthly, and it's really designed for people, leaders who are in positions of leadership, who are asking this question every yeah. day of, how do I lead better? How do I get better as a leader? Whether you're in charge of a school or a company or whatever the, your, your situation is, if this is something you'd be interested in, we're going to put the link for you to subscribe right there in the show notes, but we're calling this emotion, Emotionally Intelligent Leadership with Tim Melmore. I don't know if you have anything you want to say in addition to that. Well, if I only was emotionally intelligent, this would be a great article. Yeah, I'm d- I'm t- it's, it's called Watch Tim Become Emotionally <laughs> Intelligent, right? Yeah. yeah. Folks, I would love for you to subscribe. It's free, and it's once a month, so it's not going to clutter your inbox too much. But I just want to um, offer uh, ideas, tips, things that you could pass on to your leadership team um, or to others, but it, it minimally it's going to motivate and encourage you, I think, once a month. Uh, to get this article. So please do, if that makes sense to you, we'd love for you to get it. Awesome. Well, as the, as I said, the link will be in the show notes. You can feel free to subscribe there and you can hear more insights on leadership uh, and emotional intelligence from Tim. Uh, well, as always, if you would rate this podcast, give us five stars on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. That gets the word out about what we're doing here. You can also pass this to somebody you know if you felt like it was helpful and it made you think of somebody. Shoot this over to them. I'm sure they'd love uh, to listen in. Uh, if you want to connect with us online, we're at Grow- Growing Leaders and at Tim Elmore pretty much everywhere you are. And then finally, if you have ideas for this podcast, uh, people you want us to talk to or interview, uh, subjects you want us to cover, shoot us an email. It's podcast at growingleaders.com. We love getting this. Tim, thank you so much for leading us, helping us become better leaders. Thank you guys so much for listening in, and we'll see you next time.